If you've brought a Bible with you, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Luke chapter 15. As we continue our examination of a few of the parables of our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 15, we've been here for a number of weeks. This morning, part four. Lost and found. That's what this chapter is about. Last week, we began reading about a man who had two sons. Both of his sons were away from the father. One gathered up his belongings, the younger son, and he ran away from home, if you will, went to a distant country. The other, the older son, stayed home worked on the estate. But don't miss this truth. He too was far separated from his father. I've alluded to this several times over the last several weeks and I've come to the conclusion some people just don't pick up on subtle statements. So allow me, if you will, to be very direct this morning. We can be inside the Father's house. We can be inside the walls of the church. We can be engaged in the work of the Father's kingdom, his estate, and still be separated from the Father. Now, I know those aren't words folks in the church like to hear. So let's take a moment. How can you know? How can you know if you're in the church and yet separated from the Father? You start by checking your attitudes. When someone who's been in a far country comes home and the Father wants to just receive them, restore them, celebrate with them and over them, what's your attitude toward the Father's feast? See, we need to understand something. Our Father always wants to celebrate over finding what's lost. He always wants to celebrate whenever his kids come back home where they're supposed to be. And he wants his house to be a place of continuous celebration over finding lost things, lost people, and restoration. Now, I want us to read this morning in Luke chapter 15 the back half of this parable. I want you to see what happened on the estate after the younger son came home. And so if you've got your Bible open to Luke chapter 15, I want to invite you to find verse 22. We're going to begin our reading there and read down through the end of the chapter. But as we do so, I want us to understand what is taking place. The younger son has gone away. He's been gone for some time. We don't know how long. Long enough to burn through one-third of the value of the estate. He's lived with the pigs. He's suffered. He's starved. He comes home. And his father cuts him off in the midst of his apology. And puts a ring on him and a robe on him and sandals on his feet. 
and calls him once more, my son, my son. And then he gives orders to the servants. And this is where we pick up the reading in verse 22. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now I want you to catch this verse. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now if you have your Bible in hand, before you have a seat, I want you to look again back at verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. May it never be so in our hearts, in our lives, or in the church of which we are part. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning I ask you, bless the reading of your word. These are hard words, hard to hear, hard to swallow, hard to understand. Father, I, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to see, to find, to hear, to embrace the truth. And however it might speak to each of our lives, I pray that you would reveal that truth to us. Give us humility. Give us courage. And give us grace. That we might hear the voice of your Spirit. Understand what needs to be done in our lives. And that we would do it. So that you might be glorified in the life of each individual here today. Now teach us from your word, Father. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. This older son is quite a character. 
You know, I, I read this story numerous times. I found myself thinking about this older son and thinking to myself, you know, when we come to a place when we feel superior to others, whenever we allow self-righteousness to inflate us to the point that we can look down on someone else whose experience is not like our own, we reveal that we have in fact come to a grave misunderstanding of who our Father is and what the church is about. Spiritual superiority, self-righteousness may not be as obvious a sins as what some others may engage in around us. But I think sometimes they may actually be more dangerous. This younger son, for all of his sinful activity, knew he was away from the father. He had made a choice and he had left home. The elder son who stayed home and seemingly did all the right things was just as far removed from the father as his little brother was. He just didn't know it. And so this morning, for just a few moments, I, I, I want us to think about this older son. I want us to think about this situation. And I want us to allow God to just open our eyes a little bit to what happens here. There are some things that we need to understand about home, about our father, and about homecomings. And saying that, the first thing I think is that we need to understand that a homecoming requires a celebration. It always requires a celebration. And I, I know people say, well, I'm not so sure about that. Jesus was. If you've got your Bible open, and I encourage you to keep, keep it open, but look down at verse 32 at what Jesus said. But we had to celebrate and be glad. It wasn't we needed to think about it or we needed to plan a party or we needed to get a group together and figure out what we might be able to do. No, he said we had to. We had to. Why? Because this is a requirement of homecoming. This portion of Jesus' parable is about the necessity of celebrating when one who has been separated from the Father comes back home. And I want you to understand with me this morning that Jesus wants every Pharisee in every age to understand the need we have to celebrate whenever God's family is made complete and whole. It's our responsibility. It's a sacred duty. If someone comes to the Lord, if someone comes home who has backslidden and gone away from the Father's house, they come back home. We don't celebrate with them. We have neglected our responsibility as the family of God. When the lost come and they are found, how can we not celebrate? The Father's rejoicing. It's our sacred duty to engage in this celebration. Listen, if you don't have a desire to celebrate when the lost is found, you really don't understand the heart of the Father at all, and your heart is not aligned with His heart. This tale not only tells us of a welcome home party, but it's the description of a lavish time of celebration. All the stops were pulled out. Every effort was made. No expense would be spared. Everyone would be welcome to this event for this time. Our Heavenly Father will do the same today if or when one of his wandering children returns. So if you're separated, if you're in a far country, or maybe you're here within the walls of the house, but the relationship isn't right, know that he's waiting on you. I love
love this parable, but there's a dark cloud that hovers over it. The older brother, it, it just, it wasn't right. I, I kept reading this and trying to understand all the nuances of it. And, and there's so many little shades and shadows that you can't hardly get a grip on it. He, the older brother comes in from the field. He hears the sound of celebration. He hears that there's a party going on in the house. And in verse 26, he calls a servant to himself. Basically, he asks him, what's going on? He didn't know. Have you ever wondered, why was the older brother still in the field? I mean, why hadn't one of the servants left the house, gone out to the field, and said, come quick, your brothers come home. Your father's setting up a party. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a, 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 a great time in the master's house tonight. Could it have been that maybe even the servants there at the estate knew that the relationship between the older son and the father wasn't quite right? No one had gone and told him. I mean, after all, if he was right with the father, he would have instinctively felt what the father felt, right? Your son has come home. Your father's killed the fattened calf. Man, let me in the door. We're going to party tonight. That wasn't how he responded at all. Instead, in verse 28, what did we read? He became angry and refused to go in. He... He didn't understand what the father was doing. He didn't understand the ways of the father. And can I just tell you why this morning? I mean, this, this part I get. The ways of the father are so very different than our own. We tend to want to judge. We tend to want to say, I told you so. We, we want to point out people's flaws and faults. That's not what the father is about. He's about welcoming people home. He's about restoring the house was lit up, there was music, there was joy, there was celebration, there was the smell of, of that food cooking. That's how you celebrate. But the son, the older brother is saying, is that how we celebrate someone who brought shame on the family name? Do we celebrate the wasting of resources and time? And ta I mean, is this fair to me? Ah, me. That always comes up, doesn't it, eventually? What about me? I mean, after all, he had stayed faithfully and he had worked. He couldn't understand his father's actions at all. And I just want to tell you, folks, even if we are at home in the church, in the father's estate, we are apart from him if we will not come inside and celebrate with him over the return of those who come home. You see, a homecoming always requires a celebration. But the older brother didn't get it because he was alienated. And, and he, I know a lot of people say, well, you're, you're saying that, but you don't really get that. Yeah, listen, alienation reveals one's misunderstanding of home. I remember hearing a preacher preach out of this parable one time who referred to the older brother as an inside outsider. I like that. He was inside the house. He was inside the family. He was inside the estate, but he was an outsider. 
He was geographically and physically close to his father, just as many are today in the church. They come every Sunday. They come every week. They sit in their classes. They say the right words. They come in. They sing the right songs. They amen at the appropriate times. They do all of the right things. But at the same time, look at him, his attitudes, his actions, his words reveal he wasn't close to the father at all. In fact, like I said a while ago, he was probably just as far away from his father as the younger son had been when he was in that distant country. He was alienated from his dad. I can prove it. Don't you love it when a preacher says, I can prove it? It's, it's not just my opinion. I can prove it. You know why? Because God shows us. Got your Bible? Let me, let me show you the evidence of the older son's alienation from his father. Number one, his anger. His anger. L- look at verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. He became angry when he saw how good the father really is. That's what it was. When he saw that the father's love and grace and mercy was so extensive that he would overlook the faults and the failures and the sins of his younger brother, he was angry and he refused to come in. There's evidence of this anger. Read at some point today, sit down with this and read this again, but read the conversation between the older brother and his father. And listen and see if what I'm telling you is not true. He never uses the word father. He never uses the word brother. He was so angry that he was alienating himself from the entire family structure. Even though he had technically been at home all this time, he felt no compassion or kinship with those in the family. Anger will do that to us. Anger will separate us from one another. Anger will drive us to the place where we lose our sense of love and compassion and feeling for our brothers and for our sisters anger but I'm going to take you a step further than his anger because God's word also reveals to us that he had a tremendous misunderstanding of the relationship in verse 29 it says here here he is speaking to his father he says I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders (laughs) wow Listen well, church folks. Listen well. I've been slaving for you all this time. I want to ask you something. When you serve in the church, when you serve the Lord, when you work in his kingdom, in his estate, are you slaving or is it a joy? Is it a begrudging activity? Or is it a pleasure that puts a smile on your face and joy in your heart? You see, he was there and he was doing the right things, but he was doing it the wrong way. I love hearing this. It makes me want to look in the mirror and say, because here's the reality. Probably at some point, virtually all of us have been where this older brother was at. And it wasn't just that he had the wrong attitude about the service he was rendering, but then... Look very carefully at what he says after that. I never disobeyed your orders. Now, there are two things you need to see about that phrase. 
Number one, the words he left out. He left off part of the phrase. Did you know that? He says, I never disobeyed your orders like he did. That's his implication. I got it right. He messed up. But back up to what he did say. I never disobeyed your orders. Friends, I just want you to hear my heart. I want you to understand what I'm saying to you this morning, and I want you to understand that what I'm saying to you is the very thing that God himself has said to you in his word repeatedly over and over and over. And I know that this is incredibly difficult for many of us to hear because it flies in the face of what we have been taught or how we have been raised or what we have been been practicing. But I want you to hear me right now, okay? It's not about keeping rules. It's not about the works that you can do, how well you can obey. You will never, hear me, never, you will never be able to earn the Father's love. It's a gift. That's grace. That's grace. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. He he gives you the faith to believe in him and receive his grace. This son completely misunderstood the relationship. I've been doing and doing and doing, and you're not honoring my doing. And I followed all the rules, and I followed the orders, and you're not honoring my obedience. It's not about the rules and the rituals and the regulations. It's about the relationship. But let's not stop here. Oh, there's so much more. You see, this elder son also had a problem with misunderstanding his place in the family. In verse 29, he says to his father, You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Okay, are you ready for the earth-shattering moment? Here it comes. I've read this parable my entire life, and I'm not as young as I used to be. I have preached out of this parable so many different times. I have heard it taught. I have heard it preached. I've done it myself, and yet I never really paid attention to this statement or what it's saying. But I want you to look at it. He accuses his father of never even giving to him the minimum when in fact his father had given him everything. You never even gave me a goat. Put your finger right there, verse 29, and trail back up the page and find verse 12. 
The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Why was he waiting on his father to give him a goat when he already owned the goats? If he had wanted to celebrate with his friends, he could have killed the fat and calf and done it. Just put another calf in the pen. It was his. His father had already given to him everything. But did you notice what he said? You remember what I said a moment ago. His anger had brought him to the point that he felt no sense of kinship. He said, so I could celebrate with my friends. There wasn't anything about his father or his family or the people that were closest to him and a part of his circle. No, my friends. See, he, he stayed there all that time, but he was so far away from the father and the bitterness was eating him up. And finally, that bitterness reveals itself with his statement of contempt found in verse 30. This son of yours... Don't sit there and look at me like that. Come on, people. How many times have one of you ladies looked at your husband and said, That child of yours? I heard that in my house when I was the kid, and it was my mom speaking about me to my dad. I've heard my wife say that to me about our children. I remember looking at my wife one time and saying, your daughter, you are not going to believe what your daughter tried to wear out of this house today. This son of yours. It had to break his father's heart, the disrespect that he heard. Not my brother. Not your younger son. No, this son of yours. The disrespect for the father, the disdain for his brother. In his own mind, he was comparing his goodness and and his moral behavior and his, his staying and doing. He was comparing himself to his father, to his brother's moral and financial and religious failures in life. And the weakness of a father who would receive this son of yours back so freely. Listen, when when you're alienated from the father, it's easy to misunderstand what home is. It's easy to misunderstand who belongs there. And it's so easy to misunderstand how things function in the father's house and in the father's family. And the older brother was missing it all. But there's one more thing that just jumps out of the tail end of this story that I have to bring to your attention today. It's the truth that home, that's a special word, home. But home always extends an invitation for restoration. Always.
I've told my children when they were married, I've had the privilege of performing their weddings. You go make a home and a life with them. You make it work. And if you've got a complaint about them, talk to them. Because I will hang up on you. Now, if the world falls apart, conflict becomes physical, jobs are lost, and you're hungry and you're hurting, the door's always open. There'll be three hots in a cot. But if you're not trying to make it work and you knock on my door, I'll close the door in your face. I think they got it. But probably many families in this room have had a son or a daughter who went and lived in a way you didn't approve of. Probably some who are sitting in this room were that son or daughter who went and lived in a way that their parents didn't approve of. And so you have a little understanding of what I'm saying to you. Home always extends an invitation for restoration. The father longs for restoration for everyone. In verse 31, he spoke to his son. He said, my son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. Do y'all remember last Sunday? I'm going to really put you on the spot. Y'all remember last Sunday's sermon at all? What was it about? Well, you weren't supposed to ask that question, preacher. <laughs> it was about the younger son. And it was about his coming home. And do you remember when it says that when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he ran down the road to meet him. And he threw himself onto him and he, he kissed him on the neck. And he called him my son. Not my servant, not you dirty scoundrel, not you filthy, wasteful dog. No, my son. He called him son. Now here we are in verse 31, and he says to the older brother, my son. He ran down the road to meet the younger son who was coming back from a far country. But I don't want you to miss this. Verse 28 says that the older son became angry and would not go inside. The father went out to meet him also. He had to go meet both of them outside the house. One down the road coming back from a far country. One who was just out there wouldn't come in. But with both of his sons, the father took the initiative to go and to meet them. 
and to bring them back into the house, to restore them into a right relationship. This is how the Father works with all of us. He takes the initiative. He points out what's wrong in our hearts. He convicts us of sin. He calls us to repentance. He calls us into a right relationship with himself and with his family. And he offers he offers his presence. That's the greatest provision we have need of. Look at verse 31 for just a moment, would you please, before we close. Verse 31. My son, you are always with me. You've never left. I know that. You're right here. You're always with me. Uh, But let's remember something else. He is always with us. He is always close by. He is always accessible. He is always available. And for those who, who stay near, there is never a time when we cannot come into his presence, cannot come into his house, cannot join in the times of celebration. It's there for us. He said, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Everything I have, not not some of it, not a little bit of it, everything I have is yours. You see, he's constantly offering grace, forgiveness, salvation, eternal life, peace from the Spirit, belonging with the family. He's constantly giving to us. We just have to be willing to go inside and abide with him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to hear me. I want to speak specifically to those of you who are the church this morning. We should never, 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 never be outsiders at the Father's house. Never. Now, to those who've left and gone to a distant place, those who need to come back home to the Father, those who've gone off wondering, please understand this parable. (laughs) We've applied it in so many ways, misapplied it in a number of ways. This parable is not about those who are lost eternally lost without salvation this story is about those who belong to the father but there are many who belong to the father and yet have gone roaming in a distant land come home he's watching and he's waiting understand both sons were missing out both sons were alienated from the blessing of the Father. I want to ask you, are you missing out this morning? Will you come home? Will you come inside? 
Will you hear the Father's expressions of love and belonging as he speaks to your heart today? Which, which son are you? Which son are you? Got good news for you. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You know why? Because they're both sons of the Father. And he said to both of them, My son. They both belonged. And if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, my friend, you are his son, his daughter, his child. And you are welcome. But for these two, they both had to get their hearts right to experience the blessing of God. And maybe today, some of us in this room need to get our hearts right. The Father's watching and waiting. The celebration's ready to kick off. The question is, will you come home Will you come inside? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of commitment, a song of invitation. For the simple reason it's only right that people have the opportunity to respond to what they hear. I also know that many times what you hear is not necessarily what I said. It's what the Spirit of God says to you. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I want you to know something. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And his desire is to restore you into a right relationship with himself. That can't happen because you want to make it happen. It happens because he takes the initiative to come and draw you to himself. But he calls us to come and repent, to confess, to turn from our sin and to surrender to his will for our lives. And you can do that today. Maybe you're saying, I, I want to, but I'm not sure I understand what all's involved in that. I'm not sure I understand how to do that. I, I'm going to be right here in a minute when we start to sing. If you'd like to do that, would you come and take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I want that relationship. I won't embarrass you or put you on the spot, but I'd love to visit with you and share with you from the word of God how you can become his child today. Maybe you are his child, but you've been off in a distant country. Do you need to come home? He's watching and he's waiting to receive you. Has something happened? And you're outside the door and you're angry and you refuse to come in? He'll come out and meet you today. And he'll assure you that you are his child. That you're with him and he's with you. And he will bring you inside if you'll let him. What's he speaking to your heart? What does he need to do? What do you need to do? The Father is waiting. Please, please, don't make him wait any longer. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Challenging. Yes. Sometimes difficult. Yes. 
true always. Trustworthy without question. And so, Father, we know that what we read and hear from your word, we can count on it. That welcome home, it's there. That desire to bring us in to have fellowship with you, it's real. Father, you know every heart in this place, inside and out. You know every attitude, you know every word that's spoken. Lord, I pray today that those who've wandered off into a distant land, you would call them home and welcome them. For those who've been close by all the time and yet fooling themselves and not in the right relationship, I pray that you would bring them in. Father, I pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. Not that we would judge or condemn, but rather that we would love and invite. Now, Father, you've spoken to us through your word. I pray now that you give us ears to hear as your spirit moves and speaks. Draw those whom you would draw. Do what brings glory and honor to you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.